With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Two Pirelli tires walk into a pub. They see a rather nasty looking man at the bar. One of the tires turns to the medium tire and says, I reckon I could have him in a fight. So the medium tire turns to his friend and goes, ooh, you're hard. <laughs> now i don't know if i need to tell you or not but that is a nate saunders original nate no oh shit, we we're gonna sorry. get the score and then we were gonna tell him that it was an original oh, fuck. sorry we literally discussed that in austin no so yeah. Lawrence, that's an original joke i found on pirellijokes.com someone else wrote it if you could if you could score it uh... Um, and that was the second attempt for you to get through it because <laughs> Lawrence was already laughing the second you mentioned two pretty tires walking into the bar. Just said we rolling in. Just said rolling in. They're rolling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Oh, Nate, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm giving you a ten for that. I yes, <laughs> yes, that's amazing. I didn't think I was going to get ten. <laughs> But now you will forever go to your grave wondering if that 10 is because he knew it was an original I don't mind. I'm going to tell my grandkids the 10 first, and they can ask that question if they need to. A 10! Would you have given it if it wasn't original? If it wasn't an original Nate Nate Saunders joke? Um, Yeah, I think I would have done that as well. Excellent. I I genuinely just loved it. Like I can't remember the last time I've cried at a joke. (laughs) I mean, so genuinely, I wrote that in Austin, just like on the plane, because I was quite bored on the way there. And I was like, that's actually quite funny. Um, <laughs> would you like to hear some of the ones that were less funny that I wrote? Yes, please. Okay. And bear in mind, these, uh, these can't ruin the 10. I've already got the 10. Okay. <laughs> that's locked in. Don't worry. It's locked Okay, in. good. Where does Lewis Hamilton stay when he goes on holiday? Whichever hotel has the best fans. <laughs> that's not bad. It's not too that's bad, good. is it? Bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, how does Lance Stroll get to the shops? Clue in the name there. He gets his chauffeur to pick him up. See what I did? Little... <laughs> went, went the other way. Went away from where you thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh... <laughs> what, does Fra- what did Franz Toss say to Jesus after he found out Jesus has been dead for three days? Clear your desk, Jesus. You're fired. That's a joke about... <laughs> That's a joke <laughs> about... That's a joke about Franz Toss not respecting people in the calendar. That's good. This is my favorite one because this is genuinely very bad, but also very funny. Okay, you ready, Lars? This could be a 20 out of 10 or a 0 out of 10. It could be, it could be one or the other. Uh, which F1 circuit would a clever sparrow take his girlfriend to propose? The nerd bird ring. So it was a productive flight to Austin. Oh, you peaked. <laughs> this has been an honor working with you. This uh... has been a standout episode. Uh, already we've got a 10. I think all of those were like solid, like five plus, I think. Oh, you probably should have saved them for the following you weeks. Yeah, I just, absolutely. I felt like, I felt like it, you know, we were, we were on a roll. You know, people wanted to hear them. Oh my word. Um, we can call it there. I don't yeah. think we're going to get any better than this. this... That, that might be it. 
Uh, you're right. I probably should save some of that. I've got I've got a few more. I'll save I'll save a few more. Oh no, Maybe... you fly. You need to go flying more often. I think I, think I do. I think I do. It's when so when United Airlines, it was middle of the day, but they turned all the lights down, and it was really weird because you're like, oh, what time is it? That's when the creative juices started flowing. So <laughs> if you're ever struggling, turn all your lights down. Forget what time it is, and yourself. Be, be in the air for like ten hours. Easy. So yeah, what was your favorite of the of the rejected jokes, Lars? The last one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that is that is great. It's just so so stupid. It's just so stupid. It's just so <laughs> I think I'd have given that one a ten. That would be a full marker as well. You've like wasted two tens in one pod. I rolled them all out because Laz has already given me the ten. I was like, look, you know, if I've written if I've written one ten, I can write another one, right? Wow, so the confidence it gave I, you. Uh, I this, love you, it. You're, you're creating an absolute monster here, Laz. <laughs> yeah, but a, the good kind of funny monster, <laughs> like um, like the Cookie Monster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the Honey Monster. The Honey Monster. Any? Yeah, those those are two kind of good. Actually, I'd say good monsters. Please do uh, tweet in at, at the paddock with your favourite monster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should probably talk about some F1, shouldn't we? Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And who just got an email? That would be me. Outrageous. Unbelievable. So busy. Mr. (laughs) F1, so, so busy. Well, you know me. Many jobs, not master at none. (laughs) Not master at none? No, hang on. No. I mean... (laughs) He's just so modest as well. Jet lag, I'm saying. I'm blaming jet lag. Guys, I'm I'll struggling. Take that. I'm That's struggling right. so much with jet lag. You're master of jet lag as well. That's impressive. <laughs> That's very impressive. I so I was saying to Medus before you arrived, Lazar, that I think I've solved jet lag. I don't think I, I don't think I get it anymore. I, I think I'm immune. So going out there, probably because I wrote those jokes, I then Lawrence Edmondson and I drove to Gonzalez, Texas, got there pretty late, passed out straight away. Uh Slept like 11 till 8. And then all week I was fine. I woke up a couple of times. And then coming back, I got some, I think it's called ZZZ Quill. I don't know how you say it. Zquill or Zquill. 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 Well, that's not as fun. <laughs> but got some of that. And last night managed to stay awake until about 10. Popped one of those bad boys. It was like someone had sedated me. It was like, you know, <laughs> you know, like in nature programs where they like tranquilize a bear. That's what happened. I just basically, I was just out. They could have done anything to me. Could have hunted you me. Know that- you know, that's actually what had happened is you sedated yourself. Yeah, pretty much. But I could have, like, yeah, I suppose, I suppose that is literally what happened. <laughs> but I felt like I'd been sedated. And I woke up at nine, half nine this morning. I feel great. Today so, um, on the Padhock, Nate Saunders understands what a sleeping tablet is. <laughs> I thought it was just a nice little capsule. But... <laughs> the blue pill or the red pill? It's a purple pill, isn't it? It was purple, yeah. So, yeah. Taking, yeah, so. It was pretty good. I'd, I'd recommend that to anyone. Uh, but Lazar, are you, you recommending but... drugs? No, not drugs. Tranquilizers. <laughs> tranquilizers. <laughs> bear, bear grade tranquilizer darts. <laughs> but sorry to rub that into you guys. But um, I'm, I'm feeling fine. That's okay. Well, I'm, ple- I'm pleased for you, Nate. Thanks, mate. I'm not. I hate you. <laughs> um, although I, I'm a, back a day later than you guys, so I landed this morning, and it was a hectic 
uh, journey, which included a travel tale of woe very briefly. But uh, there's some very strong winds in the northeast of the States. And when I left Atlanta, uh, we'll get to why I was there later. But when I left Atlanta, um, everything was on time. It was going to be an hour and 40 flight. And then we were just holding near Washington, where I was trying to go to for an hour, just circling, uh, because they had a lot of congestion and problems. And we were apparently five minutes away from diverting to Raleigh in North Carolina um, because we were going to run out of fuel. But then just at the last minute, they said, oh, yeah, okay, come on in and land. So we landed late and I walked straight off the plane, straight along the concourse, straight onto the next flight back to London. Uh, which was also delayed leaving and stuff. But yeah, I got back today, got a few hours sleep, then turned my alarm off and got a few more and woke up at half one and definitely am not going to sleep well tonight. But oh, no. I've got to, that, that's my tale of why Beretta, it sounds like you you struggled last night as well. Uh, yeah, I, I went to sleep all right. It was just I woke up really early, which is the opposite of what I'm supposed to do, right? You're supposed to struggle to get to sleep and then wake up uh, yes, late. Yes, you are <laughs> but weird. That, but that didn't happen or, to me. Um, or you drug yourself. It's the other option. <laughs> well, I've learned my lesson here. I knew there was a reason why I did this podcast, Nate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going on my sleeping tablet podcast that I do every <laughs> every Thursday. Not another podcast. Are yeah, you I'm just busy. To do anything else? I'm a busy man. Busy. busy I'm a bit man. disappointed that you didn't end up at the the Santa Museum, Nate. No, so I mean, I was going to reveal that, but that's fine. You've you've taken the. <laughs> You've given me a 10 out of 10. You can you can take my t- steal my thunder. Uh, we went to a, a beer brewery instead, which to me is much better than a Santa museum because Santa, you know, Christmas kind of, you know, is overrated a little bit until you get to Christmas Day itself. Don't at me. That's just what I think. Okay. Admittedly, beer is more of an all round. Beer you can have like, all year and especially yeah. on Christmas. With Santa, like, you know, it's good for maybe 10 days. <laughs> 15th December, I'll watch a Santa movie. No, I, I like I put all three of my Christmas trees up on December first. You have three. Yep. I why do. why three? What's the significance of three? Is that uh, a no to Danny Rick? Dale Earnhardt? <laughs> no, just because I like to fill my house with Christmas trees, and over the years I've just bought more. Wow, I've got one that the guy who owned this flat before I bought it left here. <laughs> so, gonna open that on the fifteenth and see what's inside. <laughs> it could be anything. And it's a real one. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's be, I literally don't know what's going to be in there. I should probably check that before I before I dust it dust it down just, and open it up. Just knock. Just <laughs> yeah. That's probably where the voices are coming from. from in <laughs> well, before we actually talk Formula One stuff, uh, let's let's do reviews because it's always nice when people say nice things. And it's been a strong start since we've had however many tens that was. Um, we got one review to go through today. Only one, but then it's better than none, isn't it? Uh, and this review, it's almost like they'd heard this episode already because Win47 in the US titled it Consistently Amusing. And to be fair, that intro, Nate, was consistently amusing. So oh. <laughs> very well played. Best intro um, I've done. Although, although also then clearly didn't preempt it because it says sometimes they talk about F1 and sometimes they talk about other things like Santa museums. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people. A few people messaged me like, "Oh, how was the Santa Museum?" And I was like, "Oh, didn't actually go because we just went back a different way, and it, you know, it wouldn't have made sense." And there was beer at the other one, you know. Shiner, I'm actually wearing the shirt. Shiner, Shiner Brewery, very very good. Shiner is in the is in the town of Shiner in Texas, which is fantastic, and I would recommend if anyone goes to Texas to go there. It's near Lockhart, which is also the home of the best barbecue in Texas, 
And when me, Meadows, and Lawrence Edmondson went there, we had chicken wings. <laughs> so, that's, so, so that's how that. So that's how that works. And what was the name of the place? Before I continue with the review, uh, it was called Load Off Fanny's. Indeed, it was Load Off. Load Off, like take in... a lo- take a load off. And I think the woman who owned it was called Fanny. Probably not. It's... Probably not amusing to our American listeners, but very funny if you're not from America. Indeed. So, funny do you want to explain? Pack. Do you want to explain why that's funny, Lazar, or should we leave it there? <laughs> I think we'll leave it. There. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll let people Google that. Don't do it on a work computer. Do it on your own computer, incognito mode, if, uh, if you share yeah. the laptop. Uh, to be fair, if you're in Texas and you Google, Google load off Fanny, you'll probably get the chicken wing place we went to. And if to be fair, not, it was, it was a fantastic not. It was a fantastic place. Like That was one of the best little places I've been to. It was really, really nice. Very, very friendly people. It was excellent. Now, getting back to the review from Win47, it says, regardless of whatever topic they're discussing, brackets from me, like load off Fanny, um, these guys are fun to listen to, and this podcast always puts me in a good mood. I enjoy the perspectives they bring in as actual F1 journalists. Padhock love Padhock. Which ones he listens to? Finals. Yeah, actual I don't F1 know. Journalists. That's that's the bit that oh, confuses wow. me. Um, cool. But, well. That's why that's why I do it, because I talk to you two, and you two are actual F1 journalists. Nah. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just the jokes guy. Uh, no, but... Original we, content. If people were checking our Twitter out, though, we have a picture of the three of us, don't we? In the paddock. In the flesh. We do. Oh, yeah. It's good fun. We haven't had one without our masks on yet because we're A, because we respect the rules, but B, because we haven't been to the paddock since, well, since we've done this and the those rules have gone. So that's mm. the next step, right? That'll yeah. be a big, big moment. It will. If we didn't do this, I'd have forgotten what you guys look like, honestly. <laughs> Is that a good thing? Uh, No, no. Lawrence, you're, you're, radi- <laughs> you're radiating beauty. <laughs> I don't. I don't do very well at compliments, so I don't. No, know you've you, 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 you've you've like started sweating, and you look like you want to you want to quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh dear, I was sweating in Texas. Blimey, was it hot? It was warm, wasn't it? But how good was it to be back? And how amazing was that crowd and that race? I thought it was one of the best events I've ever been to. Biggest it was event. so good. It was so good that uh, like yeah, there were some brilliant performances in there, and I'm really excited to hear how they ranked. According oh, yeah. to Nate Sauna's sixty-second review. <laughs> well, we'll see. Hello, welcome to the United States Grand Prix review with me, Nate Saunders, land of the free, home of the brave, residents of the review. <laughs> Let's go. First position, Max Verstappen, more delectable than a stroop waffle this weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Lewis Hamilton in second, more like Lewis Hamilton. Those American fans aren't too keen on you, Lewis. I don't think. Sergio Perez, the most popular forty-two second gap in the world. Fourth position, Charles Leclerc. Let's just make the podium four spots, just for Charles, just for one race. I feel like he lives there. Uh, Danny Rick or Dale Earnhardt, is it, in fifth position? Mr. Texas himself, although the accent isn't great, Daniel. You need to work on that. Valtteri Bottas in sixth. Science in seventh, ahead of a sad Lando Norris. Yuki Tsunoda in ninth. Sebastian Vettel told the fans to clean up garbage, then he cleaned up a bit himself with that, with that performance. Giovinazzi 11th, Stroll 12th. Uh, Kimi was 13th Russell Latifi Schumacher Mazepin Alonso definitely retired the car for good reason Ocon also retired the car and Gasly we love Gasly but what's going on someone doesn't love Gasly so full disclosure there I messed my timing up and the reason I rushed through it was because I was getting close to the minute mark forgetting that I always spend 10 seconds teeing up the review which is when the the review starts it always starts at 10 seconds so I kind of yeah, I kind of, you know, but yeah, I think 
we still covered a lot of good ground. A lot of good ground was covered. I just I just didn't mention the points guys very much. Um, now the biggest thoughts, disappointment. Thoughts and no, notes. Huge disappointment uh, because Martin Perry on Twitter got in touch with you directly and CC'd us all. I saw this and one. the paddock saying, "If you don't wrap your sixty second review, you've failed." Now, so you I have failed. I will full disclosure here. I you know I usually do those in one take. I didn't you this should. week because one of them I attempted to wrap and I got about I got about two in and I was like, this is probably the most offensive thing I've ever done in my life, just to the genre. Just to just in I just couldn't I just I, rapping isn't my thing. So um I then stopped it and did a normal one. So at some point I will share that for an off season episode. Not now. Why not now? Because we've had too much good content in this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've had some real shock. I need to listen back. to it again as well because it was so bad. Like, like nothing, nothing, nothing like offensive in there. Just, I, I, I don't know whether I want people to hear it or not because <laughs> it was just generally like people might be rap fans, they might just be music fans, and they might not ever want to listen to anything <laughs> ever again. Um, Other yeah. than you, and also I've been. I think it's been quite a strong episode. You know, I've got a ten out of ten. I don't want to ruin people's opinion of me by being like that guy can't rap. Um, you can't count. <laughs> yeah, true. Review. Yeah, I mean. that's true. This I'm going downhill. I'm trending downwards at this point. Um, yeah. It was funny. I, I, a friend messaged me as well and said, "You're going to wrap the review." So I did bow to pressure. I just <laughs> realized doing it that I'm not very good. Well, Someone who didn't have a wrap. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Someone. If if Megan Thee Stallion had wrapped on the grid, I would definitely have done one. But she didn't. So you're blaming so, it on her. No, no, I'm just, I'm just blaming it on the, you know. Yes, okay, fine. <laughs> um, well, that's the I main mean, talking point from the race, right? <laughs> she's coming in for a lot of stick, which, which is, I actually I think, think is kind of unfair. Very unfair. I thought she was really nice to, like, she like waved at Martin and clearly wanted to talk. It was, it was the two lackeys she had with her, the big guy and the guy that looked like Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Well, she pushed the big guy, didn't she, for like trying to interrupt or like, you know, kind of said it was okay and kind of like slapped him on the back jokingly to be like, you know, don't don't be so heavy handed with this guy. But then I think Brundle was a bit flustered and did ask her to rap, which understandably is not really <laughs> the greatest. I mean, can you imagine if it was an F1 driver went to one of her gigs and they went, hey, Lewis Hamilton, great to have you here. Uh, would you drive a car for us? And there's no car there. Like, <laughs> well, it's like, like that's, when... not, that's not what they're there to do. Well, it's like when um, as, as a like... I suppose an example, like sometimes when I tell people I'm learning Italian, I'm like, go on then speak a bit of Italian. You're like, well, what? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to, I can't just put, like perform on cue. Secondly, I'm not, you know, my Italian is not that good, but it's kind of like that, isn't it? Uh, when I thought the question was really funny, like Brunda went through all of that to get her to talk. And then he asked her, have you got a rap prepared for Formula One? And she just was like, I don't have a rap. <laughs> um, I don't get why people are so upset about it. No, I don't get why people are upset about it either and like you were saying Medis, i think you do get flustered in that situation if you've just been told not to by security security and there's other security around you're not thinking about what you're going to say next so i do feel quite bad for him but then he got a little good line in right at the end didn't he when draco malfoy pushed him out the way and he said yep. did he say something like i can't, you can't talk to anyone he was like i think i just did he was he like said, i can, can't I do that yeah he said okay. he said to him you can't do that and he was like oh, i can because i did but also that going that way is better than any other interview he would have done with her in terms of like the amount of exposure. If it was just him and he said, who are you supporting? And she said, I'm here for Lewis or I, you know, she was there with Red Bull. So she might be like, I want Max to win. Like that, that wouldn't have gone viral. People were like, okay, Megan Thee Stallion, like, you know, 
she was on the grid, whatever. But that, like TMZ reported on that. Like Martin Brundle's never getting in TMZ again. <laughs> like people at TMZ, I was surprised they didn't even put, like they just put Martin Brundle, like they would know who that is, you know, in the headline. Um, so I thought it was fantastic. And people get so worked up about it. It's funny. Um, yeah. And the the fact was, well, it was the bodyguards that were maybe a bit like OTT. Yeah. But she was fine because I, nice. I saw some people taking his tweet where he said about um, respect to manners, but he was aiming that at the bodyguards as well. Yeah. Because I think, like even he'd appreciate that it works both ways. If if she's coming to the F1 world and she's got more followers than Lewis Hamilton, don't forget. Like this is a what's she like yeah. platinum selling artist. Like she's a massive deal. Just just not in the world of F1, she's not. So it's on say like Brundle to know enough to ask her a question or to at least you know show that respect directly to her as well and be like, wow, you're a big deal. Thanks for coming. What are you doing here? Type thing. It's not all on the person coming to F1 to know everything about F1. You kind of it goes both ways. So, um, yeah, I think they were like the actual interaction between the two of them was kind of funny and fine. It was just the the bodyguard issue, but like you say, it worked well. <laughs> like it, it's it banged. I think F1 needs to ride this like this wave now. Just make the three of them like the race steward for the next event. You know, have it so that that's live streamed, and Martin Brundle has to go and interview them about every decision mm-hmm. they make. How good would that be, Laza? Get it done. <laughs> I don't Tell, think I quite have the power to do that. You thing, do. But. You talk to Stefano every morning. You've told us this before. He calls you and says, Lawrence, what are we doing today? <laughs> and you say, well, Stefano, here's my list. Um, so, yeah. Not, well, we've covered not, the big... quite, not quite reality. He said yeah. it's close, basically. That's what he's saying there. It's maybe not basically, every morning. Basically means it's every other morning, doesn't it, Lars? Yeah, or, or not weekend day off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Stefano is yeah. You're both busy men. You can't call each other every morning. <laughs> would what. you? Would you? Hypothetically speaking, next time you see Stefano, will you tell him one of those jokes I told you at the start? Um. Oh no, I've done silly things like this before. I can't agree to that. Can I know? That's fair. I, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like wait until the Nurburgring comes back on the calendar. And you've got, yes. you've got yourself a ready-made joke for Stefano. I'm definitely going to use both of those jokes myself. Good. Good. I, I encourage it. And I would actively encourage other people and listening if to just scenario... talk in those jokes for now on. <laughs> if the scenario presents itself, then potentially I will. Okay. That's all I needed. It's better than no, a yes. No promises. My fingers are crossed. <laughs> um, but yeah, how good was the USGP? Uh, the atmosphere Mega. was incredible. Um, I don't think I've been to a bigger sporting event in terms of number of people. You boys probably have, but um, that's like the big, in terms of number of people, it was well, uh, incredible. Indy 500 was bigger, but um, that felt like it's Indy 500. So I we, we can only have one per publication on the grid. So Lawrence Edmondson went, but before I went round to, to where Ricardo had the Dale Earnhardt car before he went out on track and just listened for like t- like five minutes. It was unbelievable, even there, like even not being on the grid, like that noise was like I've never I've not heard any noise like that at, a, at an F one race ever. Um, and it, I mean Indianapolis, it was close to that. Like that was just all those people in one place. Um, yeah, it felt it felt pretty special, didn't it? Pretty game changing. It feels like yeah. everyone's starting to crack America. Like I feel like the fans there were knowledgeable about Formula One. The ones that I spoke to genuinely yeah. had, you know, identified with a driver, with a team, and they were there because they love F1. Maybe not just to go to an event or just to go because they love motorsport. They wanted to follow, they, well, they do follow Formula One. And that was the first time I've really ever felt that, I think, at least in the time that I've covered F1. 
so I've, I feel like that was kind of always there. It was just in smaller numbers. Like you can see it in oh, the yeah, in the sheer numbers. Of it, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, you had probably what I think it was two hundred and something in twenty nineteen, and they were all still knowledgeable and, and proper F one fans. But they, yeah, they were they were kind of almost a minority or a smaller proportion. And then having had a year off and like the growth of interest and stuff, and having a proper title battle and all that stuff, um, I think it. It really cracked it. And the way I kind of looked at it was it seems to like resonate with the US audience properly this time. You didn't have to be like someone who was going against the grain to be an F1 fan anymore. It, it's mm. it's become popular in mainstream US sporting culture because of, you know, let's say it mainly drive to survive, I think. That certainly put it on the popular culture map. Um, and from there, then you just get like we're talking about Megan Thee Stallion and stuff. That's you've got huge celebrities coming because they know there's a big event on that they want to be part of and they, they're a little bit more aware of it. So even if they don't actually care about the race or F1, they, they realise that it's a, a big deal, this event that's happening in their country. And then if they go, more people see the event and they're like, what's that they've been at? Maybe I want to go sometime. And you know, if, if it's good enough for a celebrity, it's good enough for me. So yeah, I really think there was a proper kind of like boom between even 2019 and now that uh, I think, Nate, you wrote about it or... Um, tweeted about it when you put a feature up that like that feels like it's only going to get bigger as well it's not like a, oh that'd be a one-off that feels like that was a proper big step i know it wasn't smooth for everyone in austin i think there's some trouble with shuttles and water running out in the heat and stuff like that um when you've got that many people i'm sure you always get issues anyway but it, it does sound like there's some things to fix for for next time um in terms of prep but i think you know looking at what they put on for the fans the amount of different fan zones and events and entertainment it was it was proper so i think a lot of people are going to be back and it's just going to keep growing. Yeah. And fair play to Cota as well, because, you know, that circuit a few years ago, we weren't sure whether it was going to stay on the schedule. You know, it was, it looked very unlikely, you know, around like 2017, 18. I remember people saying like, this could be the last race. And it would have been such a shame if it had dropped off. But Meadows and I, we both spoke to Bobby Epstein, the boss of Cota. And it was quite interesting what he said. He said, the first two years of your race, you're pretty much guaranteed a sellout. He was kind of talking, he was kind of giving advice almost to Miami. But he said it's then after it's year three to like five and six where you're then you're in that kind of danger point because the novelty of you being a, a new race is worn off and you've almost then got to you've got to justify people coming to your event over and when Cota was joining that was 19 other races Miami's got 23 other or 22 others to contend with it'll probably be 24 others to contend with so that's gonna be quite interesting how that goes forward but Cota seems to have really established itself as like one of the races to go to and I think that that's that's a real that's really good because it's such a great venue to go to. Austin's a great city. Austin is like, it felt like it like doubled in size since we were there in 2019. There were so many new buildings and stuff. Um, and it's becoming a real tech hub as well in the US. So like Austin seems like a perfect place for there to be a race. Um, and now we're talking about Vegas as well, which is nuts. Like the idea of there being th two races is crazy. It's the first time since 1984 they've had two US races in one year in F1, which is kind of nuts. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, Miami's going to be wild as well next year um, but I feel sorry for anyone buying the tickets look a little bit steep from what I saw going around today but um, again I suppose that is the price of you know trying to establish yourself as a new race you've got to you've got to justify the, sp the spend of it I guess well I think Austin was pretty similar prices because I spoke to Pato Award on Monday at uh, Barber when I went there for Hockenberg's IndyCar test and he was saying he had I think family members that bought grandstand tickets at $4,000 a go Wow. And they were resale, but so they they'd been like about two, and they were paying nearly double to get them. One, it showed the amount of interest, but two, it was the fact that 
you, you had people that were paying that from the outset. So I think they're the sort of numbers that we're seeing from from Miami as well. And they know the demand's there, so people are going to pay it. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was huge. It was so much fun as well in like the paddock. The paddock was a lot more open, wasn't it? Like busier. Yep. Um, we got to shoot some hoops thanks to the NBA, which is good. Barreto, how did you get on? Well, did you on. nail thanks your the, technique? Thanks to the NBA and ESPN. It was, a, I can't, it was a joint. I can't give you another plug. A joint We've had a lot of love today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have. ESPN, <laughs> I feel like, needs some. So, uh, the look on Nate's face when you didn't mention ESPN. I'm a, I'm a company man. I'm a company man. It's, it's all about ESPN. Sorry, Laz. You were just asked a very sensible and reasonable question. I just jumped in with some corporate nonsense. So I used to have a basketball hoop in my garden when I was a kid. and so, But I haven't played for about 15 years. So in my head, I remember myself being quite good. Turns out 15 years does make you worse see and, that's uh, that's a lie <laughs> listeners because just before he shot a hoop lawrence turned to me and he whispered this is going to be my last dance nate and then he <laughs> and, then, and he absolutely nailed a three and he walked off to some to some music that was from the last dance which he just had randomly playing out of a jukebox in his <laughs> on his person i'm not making that up that's 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 that isn't that what happened last word for one of the fans on the balcony over the pit lane just threw some confetti down and walked out <laughs> Yeah, and um, I think Fom just luckily had someone with a real good slow mo camera of him, kind of w- wiping a tear as he went. <laughs> yeah, and he and he had the flu as well. He'd eaten a pizza. He had food poisoning, but he still did it, like Michael Jordan. Still did it. Incredible. Um, Got to get it done. Michael Jordan, who was nearly there. Yeah, nearly there. He was meant to be there, and then he wasn't feeling great. And yeah, everyone's being sensible. Actually, it's quite good to hear that. Just because people are massive superstar celebrities, they're not like, well, it doesn't matter if I'm not feeling great, I'll still go. Mm. They were like, no, better not. So sadly, his pass went unused. But yeah, that was hype. Yeah, it was. And Chris Bosch was there, though, former teammate of LeBron. And one of the coolest parts of the weekend I thought I'd I'd share because I was right next to it as it happened was um, right by that court. Chris Bosch was, you know, was playing with some of the teams as they went. And then he and Lewis, Lewis Hamilton kind of met in the paddock and had this long, long chat. And Chris Bosch ran back to kind of where that NBA setup was, got his book, wrote a message in it and gave it to Lewis. And it was just, and, and they'd been interacting with every driver the whole time. But it was just another reminder of like, to me, you, you were right that it felt like F1 had arrived in America. But like, it, it almost, it, it hammers home that Lewis Hamilton arrived in America like five, six years ago. And F1 is almost catching up with him, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, and now you've got this big global superstar. You've got guys like Ricardo and Verstappen becoming big names in America. Uh, you know, there's loads more as well. So it felt like, yeah, it just was kind of a reminder that like while F1 is getting hyped about America, like people have been hyped about Lewis in America for a long time, especially a lot of big time stars. Um, so that was always really cool to see. And Chris Bosch is a huge fan. I didn't realize that until his until that weekend, and then he gave an interview. Um, so there's a lot of big name stars um, who are super into it at the moment. It was cool to see Shaq driving that Longhorns car as well. That was great. The, 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 Shaq, cool. the Shaq visual on the podium is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, it was just so... It's crazy how tall that guy is and how like F1 drivers, like we know, don't we, because we talk to them. They're not that tall. Like I'm 5'8". I'd say I'm taller than most of the drivers or at least the same height as most. And like a tall driver, quote unquote, is like Ocon. But I think he's 5'10 or 5'11". He's not six foot, is he, Ocon? Or, is, or have I made that up? I'm pretty sure oh, he's under six foot know. and he's the tallest driver. So like, and he but he's considered like, oh my God, like he's such a tall guy for F1 terms. And then you've got Shaq who's pushing seven feet and he's taller than the guy stood on the podium steps. 
I was looking up Ocon's height, but I can't find it. <laughs> I thought, <clears throat> I thought we just, I thought that was it. I thought like, oh, Nate's so, really just trended so far downhill. He's one point one meter eighty six, which I'm not sure what that is in feet. Oh yeah, I'll tell I you do. right now, it is. He's six foot one, Nate. There you go. Oh, <clears throat> well, mate. Okay, well, you know, whatever. I got Moving a ten on. out of ten. I got a ten out of ten at the start of the episode, so nothing know. will ruin your day. Come at me. Um, Something else I know Nate was enjoying, but I'm a Brett. I, th- I don't know if you got to do anything around this, but was Danny Rick's NASCAR run. Well, okay. actually, pretty much anything Danny Rick did this weekend got a lot of attention. But yeah, the NASCAR run was was damn cool. I think you got to interview him after the race and talk about it. Maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I talked. Uh, I talked to him about it now beforehand on Thursday. Um, yeah, so I didn't get to talk to him afterwards. But he was being he was in a giddy mood all weekend. Uh, I did an FP two interview. And uh, we just had a we just had a massive shunt, and he just burst out laughing. So um, and then couldn't stop laughing. So sorry to all the broadcasters out there when you were looking for a, a nice twenty second clip about his day because uh, it was it was mainly just him laughing. Then he kept shunting. So yeah, one day I'll release that footage. I'll do it. See, I regretted not having a camera, so I spoke to him. McLaren very kindly let me chat to him on the walk from the Skypad to he was playing some basketball. And I just was like, I want to get some background, some color for this piece, for this run tomorrow. And I, I said something like, you know, oh, how much, how aware were you of Dale Earnhardt? Because, you know, in the UK, we didn't get a huge amount of NASCAR. And I said, I, I was like, I think I said something like the first time I really got um, familiar with him was when he was in, he's in Basketball, the movie, which is made by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the South Park guys. And I said that and genuinely for the next minute was just Danny Rick just doing impressions from that from that film so like there's a bit where someone throws a ball at a kid and goes think fast kid and the ball just hits him straight in the face and like he kept doing that to to blake um you know one of the guys one of the guys in his team and um <clears throat> dale Earnhardt's lying in it there he's he's a cab driver just driving really slowly and they're like excuse me sir can you go faster and he turns around and goes can i go faster puts his nascar helmet on and just absolutely floors it and ricardo kept doing that and i was like this would be incredible social content yeah, yeah. um but i just you know i just didn't have you know i didn't have recording equipment with me um, but you're right. He was so hyped about that that thing, and it was kind of cool when you saw the the run on on the screens. You could actually see like him. We we never see the drivers' faces when they're driving. You could just see this big like toothy grin in the car as he was going around, which I thought was super cool. Because I imagine if any of us ever drove an F1 car or something like that, we'd have the same kind of feeling. Um, he so said just, Max yeah. messaged him that, didn't he? He said he got back yeah. to the driver room afterwards in the other test right. Max being like, look, with a screenshot and saying, look like you enjoyed yourself. So um, it was very cool that Zach flew that car out from the UK. Like that was a, that would not have been cheap to get there. But I thought what was cool about that was A, Zach's commitment to fulfilling the promise in a good way rather than just go and run it around Snetterton. And B, like F1 being open to, okay, yeah, you can demo this at our big event because it's in front of a load of fans and it's going to resonate with them. So that's also another reason I think when we talk about cracking america um like i know bernie built a hell of a big sport but that never would absolutely no way yeah. no, he wouldn't have let yeah. it happen at all um so, and, you're, yeah. and you're so right there because like doing cool stuff is the way to engage fans you know and i know that there there are things that you know sometimes like this this brand doesn't go with this brand and stuff like that but it's like come on fans do not care about that stuff if you put good content out they will consume it and they'll say this is amazing and i think that that got that got i mean you know Dale Earnhardt himself, Dale Earnhardt Jr., sorry, you know, said, the, I can't remember what the tweet was exactly, but it kind of choked Ricardo up at the time, like when it was read to him. So it had such exposure. And you're right, if, if, if F1 had just said that's not happening, you miss this great moment. To, and again, you're promoting the race again. So speaking of cool stuff, then, Lawrence Barreto, what is the coolest thing 
you did this weekend in Austin? Um, are you thinking of something, or no? I, do I just need to just come up? Genuinely interested to know spot? what was cool. Um, are you put me under pressure? Can you guys go first, please? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the basketball was cool. Um, I could answer. I would say chatting to, to doing the walk along with Danny Rick was pretty cool because it was just a different kind of interview. Um, yeah, that'd be. And and then race day was incredible. Like, like, but coolest coolest part of it was just talking to drivers again like that in the paddock. Missed that a lot. I got yeah, Danny to Rick fair. to do his inter- his whole interview on one day in th- on Thursday in his American accent. Which, as I mentioned in the review, not not the best. Which I, I mean, thought was harsh. Think? I thought it was. As I mean, I can't do accents. I thought I can't do a Texan accent. I it was decent attempt. Yeah, I respect, but I respect. Like, I think after doing it on the drivers' parade, he was like, "Oh, I'm an idiot." Like, yeah, he so he yeah, he obviously knows that it's it's silly. But um, just me being a being an absolute bore there. He loves it, doesn't he? I think I saw um, someone from Racer did share it on their um Facebook, I think, and a bunch of their replies were like, "Yeah, it's a good effort, but it's a little too." Don't know, I don't know if it was Georgian or something like that, but they said, "Yeah, a different state, so it needs to work a bit on it, but it's close." But also, you talk about like. Yeah, accents and things. So we had a tweet as well from someone who picked up on our last episode when Nate we talked about Seguin and the pecan, and apparently we got that all wrong. Uh, so this guy Eric Burkholder tweeted us saying, "Boys, native Texan here. It's Seguin. Oh, uh, love your show. So thanks for loving the show. Sorry for us not being able to pronounce Seguin, but that's Seguin. Oh. Never have got no, no, nor me. That's the spelling of that. I mean, us English can't complain about words not matching the spelling because yeah. we literally just just pronounce <laughs> words bro. however we want. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that's good Worcester. to know. Seguin, Seguin. Um, yeah, um, we saw a lot of Texas, didn't we, this week? Actually, um, probably more than Barreto, sadly. Uh, yeah. Who saw a lot of your hotel room? I guess. Did you get to go out at all, Barreto? I went for some exercise, so I got to see the city at least. Uh, I did a track run on Thursday that I'm pretty sure nearly killed me. It was so hot, in, in, and I got to the the back straight when the sun was just over the grandstand in front of me, and it was, I'm not going to lie, chaps, I didn't think I was ever going to do another podcast again. I was like, this is, this is me done. This is me. And then and then I thought, must tell that joke. <laughs> so I dragged myself around. <laughs> so it could be a 10, and that got me through. That got me through the run. Oh, can you imagine a world without that joke, Nate? I mean, it's hard to imagine now, isn't it? Like the world has changed. I feel like people who listen to this podcast will they'll redefine their times. They'll be like, forget AD and BC. The starting point <laughs> of time will be when they heard that joke, or that with a sequence of jokes. I mean, you know, we we can come up with a an acronym for it, but I'm all for that. Amazing, isn't it? That within a few days, F1 cracked America and Nate cracked comedy. Just, <laughs> yeah, like, what feels like the two are two are linked. That's all I'm going to say. What's the common denominator in both of those things? Uh, me, yeah. <clears throat> wow, yeah. Me. I'm looking um, forward to your joke next time, Nate, because you're under significant uh, pressure the way you've talked about it in this <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I need to write some new ones. But if I can't write a good one, then I'm just going to have to admit that I'm only good at that stuff when I'm on a plane. And when oh, are you yeah. next likely to be on a plane? Oh, I don't know. It could be a long, long time. Could oh, be. Sorry, sorry listeners. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, as I was saying, we saw a lot of Texas. Um, staying down in gonzalez which was an interesting place yeah it um, was interesting very lawrence Evanson called it like uh the town looked like the back to the future town that's just like the you know had a nice little square 
uh, and pretty, you know, some pretty old school. There was like an old cinema there, which was really cool, um, very yeah. picturesque. Yeah, it was actually. It was, it was cool. It was. Um, we went. Oh, we did Friday night down there. That's when we did load off Fanny's on the way down, and then we <laughs> went to uh, a bar. This is after working, so it was late. But we went to the I think the Come and Take It bar. And right. that was just as the Astros won to get into the World Series, so people were happy. And then we left there and went to uh, a saloon bar that I can't remember the name of, but they had some really cool live blues on. So yeah, it was we just like cool. sat outside in this like spit and sawdust yard with a wooden stage and these dudes playing some really cool blues again in Astros gear. But that's one that's where this job you're a bit like you never would end up here without doing the job we do or having to stay miles away. It was very cool, very very cool. Yeah, so sorry, Beretta, if you didn't get out. That's all right. I'll, um, I'm just going to live vicariously through you. Well, uh, you can continue to do that, but you have probably as good a vantage point as any on the actual race part on track when uh, Max held off Lewis. Oh, so we are going to talk some Formula 1. There you go. Dear listeners, yeah. you are going to get some Formula 1. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we, had to, we had to at some point because this is meant to be a Formula 1 podcast. It was good, right? It was, uh, it was absorbing. Um, I think if you if you weren't watching it live, you might think, oh, well, there was no there was no overtaking, there was no passing in terms of vying for the lead. Once um, Max got back ahead at the pit stops, but I thought it was thoroughly entertaining because you just didn't know whether Lewis was going to be able to catch him right at the end. I did feel coming into the weekend that if Lewis didn't win this race, where Mercedes have been so strong in the past, he might struggle now in the title running, especially as the next two circuits are Red Bull circuits. Um, so I think that was a bit of a hammer blow for Max that he was able to do just enough to, to beat Lewis there. But, um, it's just another race this year that's been exciting for just a slightly different reason. Um, even if it didn't have a ton of say actual action, I still think there was enough there to be excited about. Yeah, plenty. It was like properly like tense. And I think at different times in that race, you're like, oh, like Lewis is going to win. Max is going to win. Then Lewis is definitely going to win again. Then Max, I think it was three laps to go, four laps to go. He he pulled out a lap that was a little bit quicker, two tenths quicker than Lewis, who'd been just catching, catching, catching. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe Max will do it. Um, yeah, and I think that was also another like really. And there was some great racing between the McLarens and Ferraris and stuff, mm-hmm. and Alonso like biffing Raikkonen off the track and getting annoyed. But um, there was enough going on that was re- a really good watch as well. That I think it's not just about what a great event it was off the track and 400,000 people were there, but they got a ball fest. They got a really like exciting thing to watch, especially when it goes down to the last couple of laps and you you see that build up, you know, everyone remembers then like if they're a Verstappen fan or a Hamilton fan, they'll have been so nervous and tense for those final 10 laps that, um, yeah, they'll have felt they were at a proper sporting event as well. So I think it all just came together beautifully, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, <clears throat> it was nice as well because everyone was like, they're going to, they're going to crash at turn one. That was like, and the, the fact they didn't, it's kind of a reminder, like, you know, those two incidents were obviously dramatic, but these are the two of the best drivers in the world, if not the two best drivers in the world right now. And, um, you know, they are capable of racing cleanly. And I thought that to me, Max has looked great all year, but to me, that was like, I was like, this, this dude is like world champion, like, in the, like, it, you know, if he doesn't win it this year, I think it, clearly he'll win one at some point. But that to me was like him putting his like flag in the ground saying, you know, this is my championship this year and it's up to Hamilton and Mercedes to fight back. And the next two races, I don't think they're going to be able to do that very much. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it just, it was such an impressive performance from him because there's been a lot of occasions this year when 
Max could have cracked under pressure, and he really hasn't done that. You know, you've got Lewis chasing you down. I mean, Seb Vettel in Germany in 2018 obviously had knew Hamilton was, you know, I think he had in his ear like Hamilton's 14 seconds, 12 seconds, 10 seconds, 8 seconds, and he just spins out completely unforced error. One of the big moments of that championship. Vettel, uh, sorry, Verstappen had Lewis in his mirrors, like you said, and just, and it was just fantastic. So that part of it, the fact that the US could see an actual good race and it wasn't just these two guys crashed again. It's all dramatic. It's like NASCAR. You know, it's all it's all about the drama. I thought that was it. Kind of like you said, it fit the occasion perfectly. So that was awesome. It's probably Max's most mature performance. I think it's shown that he's starting to think with an experienced head. On well, obviously he's got more experience, but um, you know, when he lost the lead to Lewis, he could have, they like you said, Nate, they could have got a bit closer. But Max at least probably conceded that it was the longer game yeah. to play, and he had a you know a better car and a back, better package. And um, I think that's a massive lesson that he's learned, and that could be the turning point in this championship. I think. Yeah, the 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 Max of even like March of this year, I don't think would have come into that corner would have come out of that corner in the race still. I think mm-hmm. they would have collided. I think he's learned the hard way. Um, and it's good to see him doing that because that's how he's going to win the title. Well, it's the same yeah. way that Lewis had to learn the hard way as well, didn't he? he yeah. Those really difficult years <clears throat> just after his first side title. Um, it's We sometimes forget what is 10, 15 years between them. So mm. uh, They're learn. so similar <clears throat> in that sense. Like they're both so talented. Everyone, the moment they walked in the paddock, like that guy's going to win so much. And then they've, you know, they've had these things and people are frustrated because you're like so good, but you, you've got this like raw talent that is unpolished and then they keep getting better. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy, it, like Max still is going to get better than this level right now, which is kind of which is crazy because he's, you know, those two are in a different world to the rest at the weekend. Well, it's mad. So Max is now the 17th most successful Formula One driver in history in terms of race wins. Wow. Yeah, um, so like comfortably in the top 20 and he'll be. What does he need to be top 10? He needs seven more wins to be in the top 10. Um, so he's, he's six wins behind Fangio um, and five behind Rosberg, four behind Damon Hill, three behind Kimi. Wow. Two behind Mick Hackenen. So like, I mean, these and these are people that, you know, won titles or multiple mm-hmm. titles, like, and he hasn't got one yet, which is, that would be the weird thing, I think, if he doesn't get it this year off the back of this. But I think everyone will appreciate, which is something that hasn't always been the case. But everyone will appreciate what a great job Lewis will have done if he manages to win this year's title yeah. as well. So whoever takes it is going to be, I mean, there's absolutely no doubting that they're going to be deserving of it because sure. of the fight each has put up. You, mm. you, you don't, you're not going to get a, a bad winner here um, and you're going to get a, a, a loser who probably could feel kind of hard done by. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been epic. Looking forward to what comes next. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, chaps. Uh, and thanks to everyone who was listening as well. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read Chris's work on racer.com, Nate's work on ESPN.com and my work on F1.com. Let's do this again sometime. Bye. Network.